Hey there, welcome to Louisiana Farm Life, a podcast where we talk with real farmers about who they are, what they grow, and the struggles they face on and off of the farm. I'm your host, Carl Wiggers, and I grew up living my own farm life in Northeast Louisiana. Today, I'm joined by yet another member of the team here at Louisiana Farm Bureau. By now, you've met Avery and Neil Malonson in episodes six and nine, respectively. Today, the newest addition of the team, Jennifer Finley, is with me. Jennifer, thanks for being on the podcast with us. Thank you so much for having me. What you think? You excited about it? Excited I am, about this episode, right? I am. This episode was a lot of fun, um, and I'm excited to tell everybody about it. So you've been at Farm Bureau for an hour for a couple of months now. What do you think so far? What, what, what do you like about the job? Well, the transition has been easy because last year I was doing Field Feast and um, meeting everybody on the team. And so I've really enjoyed the seamless transition and just being able to become a full-time member of a team that I've been admiring from afar. Oh, you're sweet. Well, most people, you mentioned Field to Feast, most people that watch Twyla maybe probably already know who you are a little bit. They know your face, but that's not the only stories you're going to be telling, the Field to Feast. You're still doing that, which... They're great and we love them. They make me really hungry every time we watch them. But (laughs) what other stories are you really looking forward to telling? You know, what, what other stories really light you up? Well, overall, I mean, I'm my passion is storytelling, period. So um, there's just a lot of stories out there I love to tell, and, and I feel inundated by it on a daily basis, mm-hmm. just walking down the street. You're, oh, that's a great story. That's a great story. Um, but when I have been out uh, doing Field to Feast for Farm Bureau recently, I have come across a lot of phenomenally strong women mm. that have spoken to me, um, and I've just en- enjoyed it. It, it makes makes me feel stronger. It makes me feel better. And I feel like sharing these stories with women, about women, a rising tide raises all boats. Mm -hmm. I kind of feel like if we can um, work together and get some of these stories out there, then it's going to be better for all of us. So would it be safe to assume that this episode this week, this episode of Louisiana Farm Life is a woman? This week, yes. This week I um, had the opportunity to um, go out and meet with Mushroom Maggie. Mushroom Maggie, that's her name. Okay, well tell me more about her. Well, Maggie Long is a mushroom farmer, and she came across, she she actually, when I first met her, um, we were doing a field to feast out there, but I had heard a lot about her because I visited the Red Stick Farmer's Market, and a lot of people were out there buying mushroom Maggie's lion's mane mushrooms. Um, They have a lot of medicinal purposes. They are supposed to help with, potentially help with Alzheimer's, all sorts of things. And one of my other women friends, Darlene, said that her children absolutely loved these mushrooms. And as a mom, you're always trying to expose your children to new flavors, nutrition, anything that you can slide in there that Mm -hmm. is not frozen macaroni and cheese is a huge win. So I went over to seek her out, meet her, and her energy caught me off guard. She just seemed really cool, really earthy, and the more I got to talk to her and listen to the journey of she and her husband starting this mushroom farm, it it just took me back and it of course the you know the lights were going off. This is a great story mm-hmm. and one that we need to tell. And it's one about much more than just the farm. It's about perseverance, it's about, you know, hard work. It is. I just, I have this feeling that 
as a woman and as a mom, we all need to know that a lot of us have these same stories. They may sound a little bit different, but when you break them down, it you know, this is the world. It's the good, the bad, the ugly, and we need to do this together, um, you know, raising each other up. We need to celebrate our wins, but we also need to be there for each other when it's tough. So Maggie really shared her story in a way that resonated with me because it's a journey through um, – you know, hitting rock bottom and and being told that you're not going to amount to anything mm-hmm. and that you have to make the decision yourself about what your life is going to look like. And then at that time, finding that success, but her work ethic is just so beautiful and, and really wanting to show her children, you know, at the end of the day, it was all about how can... I create something on a day-to-day basis that I can look in my children's eyes and know that they are proud of me. Mm-hmm. It's um, it's very powerful. Something you resonate with. It's it means a lot to me on a personal basis. It's it's kind of all you end up being about. You know, yeah. am I doing right by my child? Am I teaching them how to be kind? Am I te- teaching them how to work hard? Am I setting the example that? Um, makes me proud of who they will become and are they happy uh, watching watching me do this mm-hmm. so well let's get into it listeners I hope you enjoy this episode of Louisiana Farm Life with Maggie Long this morning when I was getting ready I was thinking you know so many people will say oh I don't like mushrooms and um the first thing that thought that came to my mind was you don't know mushrooms if you don't like mushrooms right. and you have never had Maggie's mushrooms That's correct because the flavor profile is so broad and so intense it can either have its own flavor or it can pick up the flavors of whatever you're cooking with it right so i really just kind of wanted to start this about hey before you say i don't like mushrooms mm-hmm. let's talk about the beauty of mushrooms well, first of all, we can blame all that on the grocery store mushrooms. All those white buttons and the baby bellas and all the portobellas are all the same species, just genetically bred to stop, you know, at certain levels of maturity. And so they don't have any flavor. Their nutrients are none. And, I mean, I always remember them as just like some mushy thing in the food. And... um but these are not like that. I mean, they have very bold tastes, strong, like, individual tastes. And each one's got their own little flavor profile. And we've spent the first part of our year of selling our mushrooms at the farmer's market just teaching people that. And, like, here, just try them. You know, I promise they're not like any mushrooms you've had. Well, in the um, recent piece that we did with you, we did like the Forrest Gump. Uh, we have these and we have this and we have these. And we started with 10 varieties and then it just kept going on and on and on. And the difference between the flavor of a chestnut mushroom and an oyster mm-hmm. mushroom is so intense and beautiful. It is. Um, the, the other one that I wanted to profile a little bit, though, is a lot of people don't know the medicinal value when it comes to like the lion's mane. Mm-hmm. Can you talk to us about that? Well, I'm not as good as Cyrus as this because he goes into his market spiel that he does every Saturday. <laughs> but it's the only natural substance known to regrow the myelin in your brain. So that's that protective sheath layer, you know. Um, it helps with 
um, neurological damage and um, people with MS, um, it helps improve memory. You know, my, my mom takes the supplements just to help give her a little boost. Um, all, and all of all the mushrooms have some type of, um, I don't know right, the right word I'm looking for, but they all have um, low, help lower their cholesterol. They all have health yeah, benefits. Yes health benefits. Yes, it's a it's a great and that's again one reason, you know, we we wanted to start bringing more um, conversation past these pieces because there are so many different layers to right. explore. Um, with you and choosing mushrooms, I mean, let, let's start there. Um, how did you choose to be a mushroom farmer? Hmm. Why not? Well, people that knew me when I was like doing the research phase, they knew that they could find the wall of information in, in my bedroom where me and Cyrus started. I just, it was like a blank canvas and we just started doing research. And if it was wall worthy, then it went up, you know? What was wall worthy? Um, all different ideas. Like we, we knew we wanted to do something different. We knew we wanted to do something indoors. We could do it all year long. Um, so something we, that didn't step on the right, toes of those right. around you, which it's, is cool. Right. I mean, we, so we went and toured farm to see what people were doing, what they were working on. And, you know, everybody that was doing like microgreens and all that, they were doing it well. Right. And so were, it wasn't a void. Right. It wasn't a hole. Right. So, I mean, and then we just realized that the mushroom thing was was it. And we just locked in there and just ran with it. And Running so. with it. What does that mean? Because uh, I know some people out there, we, we've got to promote young farming and getting back into yeah. farming in a creative space. And to me, I cannot believe the information that is available, not only with your neighbors, but online these days. Oh, yes. Everything that we initially learned, we learned online. The rest we learned from experience. But um, yeah, I mean, because we, we didn't pick this because we were obsessed with it. We became obsessed with it after we picked it. Cool. But um, it was just one of those niches, you know, one of the voids that needed to be filled. And um, just to bring a whole different um, knowledge to the, the community that don't even know about it, you know. And so it was kind of just a calling at that point. And so we just went all in. And we knew that we didn't have land. We're both from Baton Rouge. We didn't we didn't have bunches of property, so we knew we were going to have to do it like in a small space, whether it was indoors vertically or whatever. Um, so the mushrooms just seemed to fit best for us. Well, so you answered the call and it kind of sounds like uh, we and then mm. now we're mushroom farmers, but not necessarily that easy. Can you talk uh -huh. to us no. about when y'all started? And I know that there was a fire along the way. A lot of people could have stopped at that point and said, hmm, maybe this isn't the road. So if you can start from the beginning and talk to us about the the journey of resilience, that would be great. It, I mean, I never expected farming to be easy at all, which is was part of the appeal of always wanting to be one. Just, um, But it is definitely hard work, and nobody I've ever met in my whole entire life works as hard as Cyrus. And hopefully Agreed. he would say the same thing about me. <laughs> but, he better. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, so I, I knew that whatever weight I was pulling, he was pulling equal, if not more, you know. So first of all, we, I couldn't have done it without him. Um, so the partner is important. The partner is important. Um, 
you know, which I felt a little awkward leaving him out last time. Um, well, it's he, a female farmer profile. And I know. He was in there. I know. I know. <laughs> and you you brought him up, so he wasn't left out. I know. But um, what are we talking about? So we're talking about the the journey of resilience. The, the journey of resilience. So you got it all up and running. The we first were, wave. We were about a week away from starting to be able to sell, like on a regular basis, whether it was the market or the restaurant. And how long to get to that point? A year. A year. And a so, year and a week away. A year and a week away, and that was just producing all the back stock that you know that takes all the time and just sitting in the rooms. And um, what happened? There was a, a faulty hose in the propane tank, and we were steam sterilizing our blocks. And back then, we were using propane, and um, as a faulty hose, Cyrus was changing out the tanks, and it just started shooting out liquid propane. I was inside one of the um, rooms finishing up, like, the misting system. I was in the fruiting room. And I hear, like, an, like almost like an explosion and then Cyrus yelling to get out the barn. And at that point, we had just had a corner of the barn given to us by uh, my mother-in-law's uh, late husband. And so the walls were all vinyl and everything. Mm-hmm. And so I just knew I had to get out because I didn't want to get melted in there mm. and I go run out there to check on him. And at this point, I see the fire shooting up the side of the barn and we had like four or five big propane tanks. And so my daughter was inside the house, which was pretty close by. So I ran, got her and uh, I didn't know that Cyrus was burned at that point. And um, and we, I guess we both called 911. It was just like. There's a fire, propane tanks, address, please come. I'll give you the details as you're heading this way. And so I tell you what, they had a quick response time, seven minutes. We had fire department from every surrounding area, like, coming up our driveway. It was incredible. And so within, like, those seven minutes, a neighbor came and picked up my daughter and took her away. And um, Where was Cyrus? Cyrus was getting put in the ambulance and getting taken away. What happened? um, He had gotten second-degree burns all over his face and neck and arms, um, which I think a doctor said it was about, I don't know, 60 or 70 percent, you know? Of his body? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So this wouldn't— I could be wrong. I'm going to interrupt, but this wasn't like a— you know, in the middle of the night, kind of oh, a little spark. No, this, this is, in the is middle, like a explosive. This was this is the middle of the day. Fire. Yeah, just some, and it just immediately engulfed everything because you know in the barn you keep all your oils and stuff. Well, now we know to not do that and keep it all together on a like along a wall. Oh, isn't that because uh, the trial fire, by fire? Just all fuel. Exactly. <laughs> wow. It is. So it just it just went up like that. And um so they whisked him away where I stayed because they were bringing him to Baton Rouge and um my mother-in-law is was the West Feliciana Animal Humane Society president at the time. And still and has many of those animals living still with still has her. many of the animals, but she was, at, she was in Baton Rouge at the time, at, during that time for the dog parade. And um, so she was just going to meet him there. So I stayed and basically watched the whole burn just burn down. Take it all. Mm. I sat outside until, until I couldn't sit anymore. And then, you know, the next day I finally got to go see Cyrus. And um, he was pretty burned. Like, they showed me how... and. This was four months into our marriage, too. 
So so we got married, um, and four months later this happened. And so I show up to the hospital, and then they're like, here's how you need to change all of his bandages. Oh, my word. I was like, oh, my On 60% of his body. Yeah, it was it was pretty intense. And so then it was about, like, I don't know, it started taking, like, two or three hours at a time just every day to change his dressings, and it was terrible. Maggie, this is where <clears throat> most of the people, and, uh, I mean, I can't imagine I wouldn't be one of those people, say, okay, this probably wasn't the plan. How did you and Cyrus heal, double down, and soar to where you are right now after such a setback? Well, we had a lot of support after that. I mean, a lot of people saw we were working hard, and they wanted to support us. So whether they came physically and helped us with the barn demo and rebuilding, or they helped us financially, I think there was a GoFundMe that helped me. It helped us get back up because we initially started with my tax refund for one year. And so after all that was burned away, um, the GoFundMe helped me, helped us get it back up or at least help put it back towards the barn, you know, for my mother-in-law's property and stuff. And, um, and you know, everybody kept telling us, well, you, you can build it bigger and better. Wow. And during that time, you don't want to hear that. you just like, okay, let me just dwell in all of this because I need to feel all of this because this is what's going to change us you know this is a a serious moment in life so just let us own it yes and um overcome it it was it was it was a bad time because it was just about healing and recovering and um not having people look at us like with pity well it's it's interesting because I was at Trader Joe's the other day excuse me ran into a friend of mine, Ellen, and she was like, oh, I love the piece that you did with Maggie. And I went, oh, you know Maggie. And she goes, oh, yes, I was there helping rebuild the barn after the fire and uh, just really talked. You could see how it wasn't just um, a moment for you and Cyrus. It was was very inspirational to the community to watch this rebuild. Well, I appreciate that. I mean, we were just trying to you know, get back on track because, but then it was like we had something else and we're doing it not just for ourselves anymore because we saw how many people were invested in us at that point. So it gave us more of a drive, although me and Cyrus have a pretty good drive ourselves. So, and, you know, we knew that we were going to be able to rebuild bigger and better and all that. It was just like, let us just give, give us this time. So... The fire was in February of 2017, which we demoed and then we rebuilt. And then 2018, we were back up. And um, and then a year later, last February is when you came out to do the piece uh, with Tori. Chef and Tori. you guys were already just yeah. in a groove. It, was, it took us a year to get back. Well, <clears throat> excuse me. Speaking of that that drive, that internal clock that lives within you and Mm -hmm. Cyrus, let's take it way, way back Mm -hmm. because, Mm -hmm. you know, there's all of that lives within all of us in those moments in time that Mm -hmm. define us and help us when we need it most. Um, I remember training and running the Chicago Marathon because I needed 
to have that moment to know that I could do something that big, that expansive, that dramatic for me. And then when I run into these situations that are feel too difficult, I can just kind of go back and went, wait, you know, you ran the Chicago Marathon. Mm -hmm. You can do this particular thing as well. When you and I were visiting um, at the farm recently, you were talking to me about um, you and Cyrus and when y'all met and how a lot of that defined um, where you are and who you are today. And I'd like to go further in a deep dive if you're okay. if, if you're up if you're for ready. it. I, well, I really think that the story is inspirational because the people I hope that are listening and enjoying these podcasts will realize that none of this comes easily. But mm. your community is there. Um, mm. Your faith in yourself is always there. And the tools that you need to overcome and succeed live within you. And I, so, I see that in you. So um, you. can you start from the beginning on how y'all met? Yeah, well, I actually had known his family for a very long time, um, going back to when I was in middle school. And that's when I met his brother. And his brother was a year older than him, um, and I got to be good friends with him. We hung out all the time. He was he was probably one of my best friends growing up. And, um, and you know, then... I didn't even really know Cyrus. He was kind of just in the background, not wanting to hang out with us because me and his brother and all of our friends, we were the bad crowd, you know? And he was just trying to like be for far away from people like us, you know? So he was doing sports and doing good and all that. And, um, and then long story short for that part was we got reconnected back um, at his brother's funeral. And fortunately, his brother passed away um, from a drug overdose. And I hadn't seen his brother in years, and there was a falling out there um, out of both of our hands. Well, there's just so many people that have dealt with overdose. So to hear the positives that can come from it. Yeah. So, I mean, I, um, you know, and... I was always quite fond of uh, my mother-in-law now. I mean, I loved her before I loved Cyrus, and I'll tell Cyrus that every day. But um, so I had talked to my friend in probably about a year or something, and we never, like, really made up. So there was just that hole, you know. And so when I go to the funeral, there was probably about, I don't know, like anywhere between three and 500 people. It was insane. And, he had um, touched a lot of lives. He had touched a lot of lives, and um, and Cyrus was there. Again, and all of a sudden, I walk in, and I'm standing in a line, and I didn't realize the line was to um, like meet to meet talk to Cyrus. And I say that because at the time, Cyrus was incarcerated. He was in the full-on jumpsuit, shackled, and. Um, because he had got, he had gone off on his own. He had gone, gone the lo- wrong turn, right? Yeah. And um, and so I knew he I knew he was locked up at the time. Um, I didn't know he was going to be there, and I hadn't seen him since, you know, sometime throughout high school or something like Let that. Alone in a jumpsuit, shackled yes. in front of five hundred people. He got up in front of like the three to five hundred people, and it proceeded to give the best speech out of everybody that got up. And first of all, he got up and he apologized to everybody for his actions and how it affected people that he that care about him and his family. And 
just that alone was like making the crowd just start crying and and I mean and it takes some real big guts to um to get up and say that. I mean Right. And shackled. <laughs> and, right. And so after the funeral, it was like I wanted to be able to reach out to him, but I didn't want anybody to know that I was trying to reach out to him. And so I'm trying to find where he was and so I could write him a letter just to tell him how good of a job because he was locked up for, I don't know, I guess a year or two before his brother died. So he wasn't able to be around him either. And they, and were, they were close. They were close. They were, you know, I think they might have even been living together up until Cyrus got locked up. And, um, and so, and Cyrus had his issues with drugs, which led him to steal. He robbed a bank, which he told me I could disclose this because it's part of our story. And Well, it's how, it's how low can you go and how can you lift yourself up? That's right. the story. And he was incarcerated for four years. And um, that's a whole different other conversation because <laughs> that's prison reform here. I had no idea until I met him. But Got a little I'll, work to do on that. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, but I did stained glass before I did mushroom farming. And so I made his mom a stained glass cross, brought it with me to the funeral, and wrote her a letter and saying how much mothers like her had touched people like me. You know, just because I wanted to let her know that, you know, you think you might not have saved somebody, but you did, you know. Um, and so I guess sh she had copied that letter and sent a copy of it to Cyrus because one day I get home and there's a letter from Cyrus sitting on the counter. And um, and I was like, that's crazy because it was only like a, a week or so after the funeral. And so then we just started writing back and forth um, for the next two years for the rest of the time he was in there, back and forth. And we offered closure for each other. We shared stories and um, talked about future goals. Like, because at that point I was kind of in a limbo point and researching which way I wanted to go with the business. Because and, you were working in produce. Right. And I had left, I had left work in that job and to just pursue something different. And um, it's kind of that now or never time you know and either you make something happen or you don't but we all get to that space right and we know the only way to light the fire is from within right but um so he got when he got out and he can he can tell you the exact date and time um but when he got out he just felt like he had a lot to prove and it wasn't it wasn't just to prove Were you there when he got out I was not. His mom and his sister went and picked him up, which was good because, you know, he, he needed that. Um, I saw him shortly after that. And then, I mean, we started hanging out every day after that and um, to where I had his parole officers come in, you know, looking for him around me, you know. But he's, he's now officially off all of that. Great finally. job. Yeah. It was sometime last year. He officially got off of all that. Well, I know um, Cyrus very well by now, and he is – as much of a stand-up person as you're going to find out there. His work ethic is second to none. Um, his kindness, his smile, everything about him is illuminating. Mm -hmm. And I am very proud to know him and his journey because I love when 
<clears throat> when you fall and you can pick yourself back up because mm-hmm. we all fall and anybody who thinks they're not yeah. one of them is sadly mistaken or it's on its way. You're right. <laughs> I mean, you're definitely right. And, you know, for him, it was it wasn't just like the embarrassment of letting people down. It's proving to himself, making up for all this lost time, which is great for us because it helped us get that hustle moving faster and he still has the pep in his step, you know. Um, but it was just proving to himself, you know, that he can do this, that he can get back on something good. Um, Speaking of proving to yourself, one top topic that we did touch on in the piece was that when you were in high school, your high school counselor told you it was probably best that yeah. you just drop out and, and quit you as yeah. well. And yeah, because all my that- friends, including his brother uh, that I was friends with, they had all dropped out and... And, you know, like I said, I got in trouble, but, you know, I think I, I think for me, I was always just naturally drawn to the trouble, troublemakers. Like I wanted to kind of go in and rescue and stuff. So for me, it wasn't like, I, I didn't think I was trouble. I just thought I might just be with the trouble, but it was just crazy to have like somebody in that position tell you that, you know? And I just thought, (laughs) it was just... At that time, you know, it's like defy you. If you tell me not to do something, that I can't do something, I'm going to show you I can't. And now, how do you think of that moment? I mean, like I told you before, I mean, I wouldn't thank her, but I wouldn't not, you know, at the same time, because having people like that has kind of given us an extra, or me, an extra push, you know. Um, Some people would, like, just crumble if somebody said that to them, but... Life's too short, so I graduated early and got out of there. And uh, I tell you what, the um, assistant principal choked on my name when he called it, and he'd go up and get the little fake diploma because he didn't think I was going to do it. But I got out of there, um, you know. You got out of there. You rebuilt from the fire. Felt like I got out of prison right there. You both have. (laughs) You've rebuilt. You have a successful farm. You continue to build your clientele. It is a real success story. Um, and to wrap up our podcast today, I would like to hear from you. You know, you, you wanted to talk to me. You wanted to tell your story. I love that mm-hmm. so much. Why? Well, I mean, I feel like we can help other people, and so does Cyrus. I mean, if it wasn't for his good people that he worked for through his work release, I mean, they gave him so much support. They helped us after the fire. And you think about guys like that who are coming out um, and they don't, have anything you know and there's no there's nothing provided for them to train them to do handle all this but if they're surrounded with a good group whether it's through work release uh, which is something that we want to try to get into is using work release people just to kind of help show them that there's something else you can really work for it you know we treated like an internship almost yeah i mean all the guys I've met with that worked with Cyrus are, are good. They all have their own stories. You know, they're all good guys. They're all good people. They just make bad choices. We all do. Well, yeah. We're all good people exactly. that make bad choices. And we all need second chances. And we always yeah. need help. Um, but at the end of the day, you have to choose to lift yourself up, which right. you and Cyrus both did and have built an incredible company that um, you brought Carl and I some mushrooms. We are super yeah, excited to take home. My wife will be excited about that. Because <laughs> they are delicious. And don't forget wait. to eat your lion's mane. i got to be really honest with you. So 
back to the very beginning of this discussion, which I want to mm-hmm. I want to hear more about what y'all are wanting to do mm-hmm. with work release, working with them and working with training others. But when y'all are talking about uh, mushrooms being good, mm-hmm. my, my mother was is still, I think, famous for her stuffed mushrooms. Mm-hmm. And I would never touch them because I didn't like the texture because they were mm-hmm. I just wouldn't do it. And finally, as an adult, I'm starting to try them, but I've never tried anything more than just that. I'll pick them out of my pasta. I'll always just, mm-hmm. I don't want, I don't. Well, you have really homework. Mushrooms. So <laughs> I'm really excited about it. And I kind of want to talk about what's the best way to like eat them. Do you cook them? Do you? I would suggest not to, not to do too much with them so you can really taste them. Okay. I mean, I so know that's scary if you don't like them. Um, just take them out of the bag eggs, and cut them. And like, you don't. You don't really have to wash them. They come pretty clean from uh-huh. our farm, but I'll say that it's you could you can wash them right before you use them as long as you kind of dry them out because they retain moisture mm-hmm. and any type of liquid. So you cut them up however big you want them, and I would try with eggs first or on top of a pizza. It can even be a frozen pizza. You just slice them up and put them on, roast them in the okay. oven. When we did a field to feast on the farm, Tori made a luxurious... <laughs> Uh, wild mushroom grill, well, not grilled wild, cheese. farm mushroom grilled cheese oh, with yeah. different kinds of, and you know, grilled cheese is just like Maggie's talking about those mediums of eggs and pizza and grilled cheese. Don't make anything that's going to overpower mm-hmm. the flavor of the mushroom. Make the mm-hmm. mushroom the center star and then add to mm-hmm. that with just, you know, the, whatever you need to get it down okay. well, <laughs> for I'm, you in the beginning. I'm really excited about trying them because I've only tried, I think, mm-hmm. you know, the grocery store mm-hmm. vault that has no flavor. And right. I'm just like, eh, it's not really for me. But I'm excited about giving it a I chance. I cut them up and just in a lettuce, a little bit of dressing. We also eat them off the... The medium <laughs> as the I shop. did, mm-hmm. <laughs> even yeah. the ones that aren't ready, like <laughs> the Hobbit's house. Yes. <laughs> so, to to kind of get back to where we were, though, Maggie, what is it that y'all are kind of looking forward to here, and like you know, moving forward from here, as far as working with work release workers, or? Well, I mean, that's like a big picture thing, wanting to help out and do things like that. I mean, for me, I studied a little bit of psychology in uh, college, and I always liked working with like young at-risk kids, um, you know, while they're still in high school or even middle school and just try to help inspire people like that. So it'd be good to try to get in some type of field where we can use people like that, some type of program where you could send your kids and we'll put them to some farm work. I mean, really, I mean, mm-hmm. it's it helps um, just clear their minds. and Digging in the dirt. You know, I had to get a license. um you know, something for that. That's the kind of thing where, you know, maybe just by these kinds of podcasts and those kinds of questions, trying to put together, how do how do you go from here to the big picture? You want to help. How do you help? Why is it so difficult to help? Well, I've actually got a friend through my ag leadership class that I just finished that is wanting to do exactly that as well. Mm. She's actually getting her master's right now in uh, social, work. social work or mm-hmm. something along those lines. I don't know, but she's got an agronomy degree. She's mm. worked on big farms. She now works with a uh, a local uh, kind of a nonprofit mm-hmm. that is helping at-risk students mm-hmm. in North Louisiana. So I'm going to mm-hmm. have to get y'all connected. Yeah, relationship building. Great, great resource. Probably. Yeah. Well, y'all would should. probably be a great resource for each other. Yeah, well, definitely connect us. But I think for us right now is to go more towards the work release stuff because mm-hmm. if you're talking about sustainability, I mean, those guys are all around our farm. 
surrounding our farm or is just prisons, you know? And um, in fact, the one that he was at is not too far from the farm where he still knows people there. Not that we're trying to get those people, but so I think for for Cyrus especially, it would be more important to, to go down that avenue. Well, um, I mean, therapeutic. It is. I mean, you know, and I think it's his part of giving back too, you know, helping out. So I can stand right behind that first. Get behind that. It's it's awesome, Maggie. It's it's just such a good dream to have, and um, so proud to know people like you, and so excited to be able to spend time with you like we were able to today. Mm-hmm. And you'll just have to that come back fun. and talk some more and give us some more mushroom advice and recipes, Always. especially for Carl. In in our next podcast mm-hmm. with you, Carl is going to tell us mm-hmm. every which way he made mushrooms. Yep. And tried them and what he thought. So stay tuned so for that. What's in that bag? There, I don't know what he put in there, but I'm it, there's a little like bit five of everything. Bit bags. I'm sure okay. there's shiitakes. I'm sure you've got lion's mane. Okay. In there. Um, What's your favorite? My favorite's probably the oysters. 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 The oysters are good for if you're starting out. Okay. And chestnuts. They mm-hmm. taste woody. I don't know. That They're might like be nutty. tough to start out, but it's. But the oysters are good because it's just a mild flavor that takes on whatever you want it mm. to taste like. And, um, Interesting. I'm excited. Yeah. I'm excited to give it a shot. Maggie, thanks for coming. It's been thanks. fun. Thanks for having me. It's been me. fun hearing your story. Yeah. You had an awesome story. <laughs> thanks. Until the next time. <laughs>